The Old Testament reading for our celebration of the baptism of our Lord comes from the book of Genesis, the first chapter, beginning at the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. This is the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord, all nations. For great is his steadfast love toward us. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the sixth chapter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Mark, the first chapter. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water... Immediately he saw the heavens opening, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And how did he do that? 
he spoke. God said, let there be light, and there was light. He separated the light from the darkness, the night from the day, and it was good. It was perfect. It was orderly, not chaotic. There was evening and there was morning the first day. And this is how the entirety of creation went. Six literal days of God speaking the universe into existence in an orderly, beautifully structured manner. Every law of physics, every season, every star in the sky, every planet in our solar system, every molecule and atom and quark, and everything that we have yet to discover or even imagine, all of it set in beautiful and precise order. All of it brought into existence by the power of God's word. He spoke, and it was. And it wasn't just was. It was good, and it was perfect. The orderliness of our universe, the intricacy of the world, none of this could have happened by chance. God did not leave it to chance. He did not simply thrust a bunch of matter into existence and say, whoa, let's see where this takes itself from here, as some people think. Everything was planned, designed, and crafted by the omnipotent and all-knowing mind of God. Everything that is, was, and ever shall be, it exists because God spoke. That's the power of God's word. And yet, if you can fathom it, God's word is even more amazing than that. As we heard in our reading on Christmas Day, John very purposefully begins his gospel account parallel to the book of Genesis. John writes, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here John points out that the word of God is not just a series of sounds that God casts into the air. The word of God is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ, God the Son, was there at creation before anything existed. Through him and for him, everything was created. He is the word which laid the foundations of the earth and brought into existence everything. But the work of the word did not end there. Because as John writes later, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The infinite power of God's word, the unimaginable might that created all things, visible and invisible, he came to us sinners. He entered into the very world that he created and that we had broken with our sin. The infinite became finite. The immortal became mortal. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, for many people, this idea is ridiculous. They say that it simply can't be, and that even if it did happen, it's a complete lack of power. Why would God the Son go from the infinite power that created the universe to a tiny, helpless baby laid in a manger? Why would he set aside all of his might to become a simple, powerless mortal, the son of a carpenter? 
They say that if the incarnation is real, then it is the word of God becoming powerless and weak. But they are wrong. For starters, of course, yes, the incarnation happened. Of course Jesus Christ took on human flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary. But he did not become powerless. The word became flesh, but still remained the all-powerful word of God. We see this in his miracles, in the perfect, sinless life that he lived that we never could. The word became flesh. The word of God dwelt among us, but it remained the almighty, infinitely powerful word of God. So how could Jesus die then? If he is the word of God, if he is power beyond all measure and understanding and imagination, how could he possibly die upon the cross? Well, the answer is very simple. He chose to, and he chose to die for you. There upon the cross, Jesus was not a helpless victim. He was a willing sacrifice, the word of God who became the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. At any moment he could have come down, could have spared himself the agony and pain and sorrow. But he didn't, because the torment he bore upon the cross should have been yours. The word of God became flesh, not just to tell us to be better, but to save us, to take our sins upon himself, to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice who pays for the penalty of your guilt. Today we celebrate the baptism of our Lord. And it is always a little bit confusing for us. We know what baptism is and what it does. We know that baptism is not our work, but God's work within us. In the waters of baptism, we are cleansed of our guilt. The old sinful nature within us is drowned, and we rise daily as a new creation, redeemed and restored by God. We know that by baptism... Our sin and guilt is covered and washed away. And by our baptism, we are saved from the fires of hell. So why did Jesus get baptized? He had no guilt that needed forgiving. He had no sinful nature that needed drowning. He needed no rescue or redemption or restoration from God because he is God himself, perfect and sinless and holy. Everything that we are given in baptism, Jesus already has, and he had no need of receiving. And yet, he came to the Jordan River and insisted that John the Baptist baptize him, not for our sake, but for his. Jesus Christ, the word of God, entered into the waters of baptism to sanctify that water for us. Without his presence, without the word of God, Baptism is nothing at all. But in baptism, we see the power of God's word at work. He declares us innocent of our sin. He makes us to be his own. He shatters the devil's eternal hold upon us, and he sets us free. This is why we celebrate Jesus' baptism and our own, not just on special occasions or certain days of the year, but every single day. God's word has entered into the waters of baptism, has come into our own lives, and has made his mighty power known. As Paul writes, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, 
in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The word of God itself, through the waters of baptism, makes you a new creation. You are no longer the enemy of God because of your sin. You are no longer condemned to eternal hell by your trespasses. By the power of God's word, you are now dead to sin and alive to Christ. You, a sinner who continues to sin, who deserved only eternal hell, you are now given the free gift of eternal heaven. Not because you deserved it, not because you earned it, but simply because the word of God has proclaimed it. At his baptism, the voice of God the Father declared to the world that Jesus truly was his son. And at your baptism, God has done the same. Not making you the new Messiah, but claiming you as his own. Proclaiming you to be his child and telling the whole world that you are no longer his enemy, but his beloved and cherished son or daughter. And what God has spoken is Just like at creation, the word of God said, let there be light, and there was light. In your life, the word of God has said, let there be forgiveness, and there is forgiveness, and joy, and peace, and assurance, and it is good. Daily and richly, the power of God's word provides all that you need, not just in earthly wants and needs, but in spiritual treasures beyond all measure. The power of God's word now fills your life. You no longer live as a slave to sin, but as a child of God. You no longer walk through this valley of the shadow of death in constant fear, but now in confidence, knowing that God's word has proclaimed you to be his own. God's word has worked faith in your heart, so that at all times you can look to the cross of Jesus Christ, to his empty tomb, and you can know that you have been redeemed. You can hear the word of God at all times and take comfort and solace in its power and certainty. You can gather together with your brothers and sisters in Christ to hear God's word, to be in God's almighty presence in his holy house. By the power of his word, you receive the very body and blood of Jesus Christ, the miraculous gift of the word of God incarnate, given and shed for you, delivered at this altar, for the forgiveness of all of your sins and the strengthening of your Christian faith. You, a sinner, can rest assured that no matter what may happen in your life, you are at peace with God and all things are in his almighty, merciful, and loving hands. This is the power of God's word and it is freely given to you despite your sin. The word of God created all things The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God sanctified the waters of baptism for you. The word of God incarnate suffered, died, and rose again from the grave for you. And the word of God speaks to you each and every day, declaring you to be his own, cleansing you of your sin, giving you the absolute assurance of eternal life in heaven with him. Rejoice, dear Christian in the power of God's word, which became incarnate in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For by his cross alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. 
Thanks be to God. Amen.